Now we're rolling. Okay. How are you doing today, Aida? I'm doing okay. Just okay? Just okay. I don't know. Today is kind of like an okay day. Yeah. Well, I guess it's better than bad, right? It is. It is. From the uh, the things that you sent me on Facebook, it sounds like you've had worse days. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm going to move that mic slightly closer. Is that comfortable? Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, you sent me a message on on Facebook saying that you wanted to share your story because you were a war survivor and you came to the United States not knowing how to speak any English whatsoever. And I was like, yeah, I want to talk to you. (laughs) That sounds very interesting. So tell me a little bit about that and where you're from originally. And then we'll get into like why you came to the United States. All right. So I was born in Bosnia. Um, Can you move? I'm sorry. Can you move closer to the mic? Okay. I was born in Bosnia. It used to be Yugoslavia before the war. Okay. And when I was 10 in 1992, that's when the war started. And um, I grew up in a nice family. My dad was a businessman. My mom worked. Um, she comes from, a, you know, well off family. And we had everything you can ever imagine. And then just one day, everything changed. Mm. What changed? The war started. Uh, and it felt like it happened out of nowhere. In Bosnia, we have um, three main religions. There's Orthodox, uh, Catholics, there's Christians, small percentage of Jewish and Muslims. And during... Um, Ex-Yugoslavia, everybody got along great. Um, nobody really paid attention to religion. You can just practice whatever you want and do whatever you want. And when the war happened, that's when it was kind of like a separation of religion. What what inspired the war? What um, was it religious-based? It was religious-based. It was based on taking over Bosnia. Um, Bosnia was um, had like a mixture of religions, but majority was Islam. Mm. And then in ex-Yugoslavia, you have um, Serbia, Croatia, Montenegro, Macedonia, Albania. So those are like a little states. Okay. And the war was to separate and for each to become a country instead of all being Yugoslavia and Serbia um, it wanted to expand and so uh, it was mainly attack on Muslim people and the plan was to kind of just cleanse ethnically cleanse wow Bosnia um, so yeah um, so when the war broke out how old were you you were 10. Yeah. Wow. And so what what was that like being a 10-year-old? I mean, obviously you're living like a normal normal what you assumed was a normal life and didn't ha- really have any fears. Right. Any known I, fears. I remember uh, we were home and we heard the first bombs or grenades go off and we were just like what the heck, <laughs> you know. Um Everybody in a building where we lived started to panic and telling people to go down in a basement. Um, so we all went down in a basement 
and it felt surreal. You know, like you're sitting there as a child, then you it's just kind of like this is gonna go away in a couple of days, type of thing. You don't you don't believe it's going to, you know, be that horrible because you know all these people, you have your neighbors, and you know, we're all gonna be fine. Yeah, and it wasn't. It just started um, getting worse and worse. Ah, oh, that's that's got to be so scary. It was. Um, I uh, just recently had a person on the podcast who, um, whose parents were, and she she's from Ukraine too, but her parents are from Ukraine, and they had a uh, a bomb drop right in. Um, I'm sorry. Hold on. Um, we're going to pause for just a second, uh, and we're back. Okay. So yeah, I had, uh, somebody on the podcast that, uh, they escaped Ukraine and they talked about the horrors of the war and they talked about, um, they had a bomb drop right in the front yard and it didn't go off. And it was one of the most scariest things that they had ever experienced. And at that point, um, they realized that they needed to escape, uh, Ukraine and and try to seek asylum here in the United States. So, at what point during that war did you guys, did your family decide that we need to leave the country or we need to try to get out of here? Sadly, it wasn't until after the war. Um, we couldn't go anywhere. It just keeps getting worse. Um, uh, like the grenades were more frequent. People are starting to really panic. Um, Buildings are being destroyed, and you can kind of feel in your soul, okay, this is starting to get worse. Something's about to happen. So I remember we were in our ho- in our house apartment, and next thing I know, I just heard like a glass, you know, smashed, and my ears were ringing, oh. and I'm screaming at my mom. Uh, telling her I can't hear, I can't hear. Didn't realize that they were, you know, bumping our building and there was like the glass that was falling. And I remember my mom like telling me, you know, to be quiet because there were like snipers nonstop. Um, So we realized we weren't safe in our town and we decided to wait till it was... Um, later in the night and try to get to my mom's grandparents' house because uh, they're more isolated um, in a country. My grandpa had lots of property around him, so there was no neighbors for miles and miles, and maybe it'll be a little bit safer. And we were still kind of naive under the um, influence that this is going to be like maybe a couple of weeks. We can just hide out over there, and then everything is going to go back to normal, you know. But like I said, it just kept getting worse and worse. So we made it to my grandparents' house. And we also took a lot of our neighbors with us. Um, And we were there for a while. The neighbors ended up going, leaving and going, finding their families. And one breakfast morning, we were at one of the, they had three houses on the property. We were in one of the houses eating breakfast, and I remember my grandma coming and screaming, telling us we're surrounded and oh. we need to get out. 
And I remember, see, as a child, you ask me what do you think as a child, I remember like I didn't eat breakfast. <sighs> you know, like I'm hungry and I didn't eat breakfast. So, of course, we came down and we were surrounded by soldiers. It was only four of them, but they were acting like there was more. And the sad part was it was the people we knew. Wow. It was the people that used to work well, the children, grandchildren of the people that used to work for my grandpa. Uh, the people that my grandpa helped out, fed, gave pieces of land to build their homes. And um, I remember my grandma looking at them, asking them how they can do this. You just in disbelief that war mentality, how it changes people, and you go from friends to enemies so quick. It's amazing. It's just like a switch. You know, yeah. like one day you're sitting together, you're celebrating each other holidays and, you know, and next day you're looking at a person across to you who is pointing a gun, you know. Um, so we were there. It was hot summer day. I do remember that. It was July, I believe. And they were just telling us that they're going to kill us. So... Um, Prior to that, they took my dad, my uncle, and the men of the family to concentration um, center or whatever it's called. Like a camp, like a camp, concentration yes. camp? And we didn't know where, we, you know, where they were, but uh, my grandpa was with us and my brother, who was only four years older, so he was four, uh, 14. And then I had like a male cousin who was also 14. So they were just, you know, threatening to shoot us, to kill us, to bury us alive. Um, and like I said, I remember just sitting there. It was hot. I'm thinking I'm hungry because I didn't eat breakfast. At the same time, I'm scared. Um, don't know what's going on. Everything was moving so slow, like you're in a slow motion. You just sit there and watch this all develop, and you have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, one of the soldiers took my aunt, who was a beautiful lady, beautiful, beautiful lady, and he took her in the house. And next thing we know, she started screaming. Mm. And her mom went inside and kind of grabbed the soldier by his throat and threatened him because, you know, he was about to rape her. And luckily, he backed off. So they loaded us up on my uncle's truck. My uncle was in hiding because he was younger. And as we were leaving um, my grandpa's property, the place where we spent every summer faithfully, because my dad was a busy man, my mom was a busy lady, uh, my aunt and my uncle's uncle, so we would all be there, uh, all the cousins. At, those are all my memories, really. Like the favorite wow. place, the safest place to go is always grandpa's house. And as I can see, we turn around and the houses are burning up. Wow. And they didn't let us take anything. We begged like some clothes, you know, maybe some money. No, um, they just end up, as we were sitting outside for hours and hours, some of them were already inside taking the stuff and, oh you know. Gosh. So, and then um, we were on a truck, and they stopped us in this little uh, town next to the property where my grandparents live. 
and they were just calling us names, spitting on us, and telling us they're going to bury us alive. That's it. Uh, my cousin had epilepsy where she would just start running, so she's up in the back of the truck trying to, like, jump out. They wouldn't give her water. They were just saying, you don't need it. You're about to be buried alive. Until one of the soldiers from somewhere recognized that aunt who helped him back back in the day, and he took us. In the last moment, like literally, as they were telling us how we're about to get off the truck and either get executed or whatever, you know, they're just making all these threats. And he hid us in a house um, for a while till he told us we had to try to go to the Bosnian um, army side Mm. one night because they're coming to kill us. He cannot protect us anymore. Yeah. What, what, what's, I might have missed it in the story, but what side of the war or what, um, what side was the guys that you guys knew that was in the army that took you guys? They were, um, they were Catholics, Christian Catholics. I'm not sure, um, what religion. My family is Muslim. Um, Okay. And so they took you guys because you were Muslim. Yeah. Okay. And they wanted to, like I said, they wanted to expand. It's sad because it's like they just looked like they were brainwashed at that point. Yeah. And it just happened, out, like I said, out of nowhere because we were such a great country. You know, we celebrated yeah. each other holidays and went to weddings and parties and events and just nobody really gave a thought about religion. Yeah. You know, it wasn't something that you just even care Till whatever reason this started happening. It was the extremism, the extremist, right? Right, right. That that, that is so crazy. So you get, he t- ends up taking t- taking you to the safe house, and at that point you guys stay there for a while. Yep. And then what? Um, one night he came. Every night they would search the house looking for my brother and his cousin, and to put him in concentration camp. They took my grandpa, by the way. And um, my family... So they took all the men? They took all the men, left my brother and my cousin, my uncle... Because you were kids. Yeah, my uncle was in a hiding because they really wanted to get him. And they would come every night looking for my brother and my cousin. And I remember we would hide them under, like, bedding (laughs) and pillows, and we would sit on them. (laughs) Like, we're just sitting because every night... They would come and they would just search the house and we will tell them they're not here. And so one night, the soldier that kind of helped us, well, he did help us out, came and he said, they're coming. They're coming. You got to go. Like, I can only hold them off for so long, you know. So we got up and started walking towards the territory that now belongs to Bosnian army. Um, And you're walking and you're walking and you're walking at night. And all you hear is snipers, uh, because Bosnia and Herzegovina, I'm in Herzegovina, it's, it's like a lot of mountains and hills, okay. so it's a perfect place for them to be and just shoot snipers. And I'm holding my mom's hand, and bodies are just falling. Oh, my gosh. Falling, women with babies. Um, just And you just, like I said, it feels like so unreal. You're waiting 
to wake up. This cannot be my life, <laughs> you yeah. know. Plus, we're hungry. Um, now there's no food. Um, and you just keep walking. And my mom just kept telling me, don't look, don't look, don't look. Like, But you just, they're just bodies literally falling. And um, finally, we crossed over. And my uncle was there. Um, luckily, he made it safe. And it was, they, he took us to one of our relatives' house in a the basement. There was no electricity by now. There's no water, everything. Everything like, was shut off. Everything was just, buildings are, everything is ruined. Mm. All the um, older buildings and bridges and everything, mosques and churches and everything that ever, you know, meant anything now is just destroyed. Destroyed. Wow. So we stayed in the basement for a while, hungry. We literally cooked grass. Wow. Literally boiled grass. How did it taste? Like grass. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it, like, like nothing. Like, you ever had spinach but not put any seasoning or anything? Yeah. But the grass is a little bit more bitter. Mm. And from that on, uh, we couldn't stay hungry anymore. Um, we had to walk over the mountain, literally, to get to a little bit of safer city that we heard there was a little bit more food and there's UN closer by and a little bit more protected. So now we're walking over the freaking mountain for days while my aunt is nine months pregnant. Holy cow. So yeah. And we did it. And but just the clothes on our back and this time they released my dad and my uncle and my grandpa. So we're all at least together. Um, they released them? Yeah, because UN came and looked at the, you know, camps. And I was like, this is not, this is not livable. I mean, it was horrible what they did in there. Horrible. They did just, they torture them yes. at all? Yes. What kind of things would they do? Starve them. Uh, they would take him outside, make him strip uh, naked and power wash them with a super cold oh, water. Oh, my gosh. Um, if you had a family member, one of my cousins wrote a book saying something like, if I translate it loosely, how can I raise a hand and my dad, like they would make dad and son fight or mm. they would rape, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. Uh, luckily, besides they kicked in my gram- grandpa's teeth and they really didn't do like that stuff to my dad and my grandpa and my uncle, but they witnessed it. So when the UN came and they looked at it and they had to, you know, release, release them. So now we're in a different city. You know, it's being a refugee in your own country is the saddest thing ever. I get so upset when people are so pumped up about war. <laughs> Who gets uh, pumped up about war? <laughs> but people do. You know, you go online, you go on a Facebook, um, and you yeah. have people, they're like, we're ready, you know, to have a war. You know, it's a lot of politics, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And if they only knew, they would never, ever wish that. Well, it I think it's a very naive perspective, right? Because living here in the United States, I, I mean, I would say 95% of the population has never experienced anything like that. Even if you are poor and you're homeless and you, I mean, I see homeless people, quote unquote, homeless people on the streets begging for money who have smartphones. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, we don't have it that bad. People in like mm-hmm. foreign countries have it really bad if right. they're poor. Right. And so like we have no idea what war and would do to us. 
that's exactly um, what I kind of want to shine the light on. I talk to my son about that a lot. You know, he was born here. Mm-hmm. He's 19 years old. And I just feel like I'm fighting with a devil here. You know, like the social media is telling them what kind of life they should be living. You know, they're just yeah. watching all these videos and think that is. 15, 16 year old kids are millionaires and that's how the <laughs> life is, you know, it's yeah, just, yeah. and I, I try my best to keep him as humble as I can without um, terrifying them like, oh, because I lived through this, but I also want him to know, so maybe they'll respect it and appreciate it more. Yeah. People that are born here don't realize that just being born here, you have an advantage. Yeah. You know, that's a big advantage. Yeah. And it angers me when people don't take advantage of the situation to better themselves. Um, maybe because I come from a family where my dad, you know, was an achiever and um, I had a good, strong family. Um, but it just angers me. I don't know how to explain. You know, I, I came here no English. So now I'm 16 years old, you know, came here with a shoes, two size smaller, literally nothing. We had no bags. Um, they put us in this old little house um, that we share with some Vietnamese refugees, very nice family. And you're here, you know, and what do you do? You can go back because you don't want to live through what you lived again. Now we have PTSD and we're scared, you know. <laughs> But you're here and, um, you know, so my dad set, set us down and told us, we're here, there's no going back for now, and I need you to get education, I need you to succeed and take advantage of coming here at your younger age. Because uh, he was, my dad was older guy when he got married, so he was um, already in his 50s when we came here. So, um, yeah, I tell that to my kids a lot, like, you have no idea that you're already one step ahead just by being born here. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's very easy to look at, like, especially with the, you know, the invention of social media, it's easy to look at other people's lives and think, wow, like, they have it so much better than Mm -hmm. I do. And it's easy to get depressed about it. But then, like, again, we don't think about what other people in other countries have it Mm -hmm. it like. I mean, if you just simply look at Ukraine and what's happening there, Mm Like, when I was sitting there talking to them, I was like, wow, like, this is unimaginable. Like, I can't even imagine if a bomb dropped in my front yard. What would I do? Like, at that point, social media, cell phones, technology, none of that matters. Fame, like, none of that matters. You know, you're just, at that point, focused on survival and and caring for your family. And nobody knows what that's like. I mean, Ed. nobody who's gone through a situation like what you've gone through know what that's like. Right, and I wish I can explain it, you know, because a lot of people ask me, so how did you feel? It's just... Hopelessness? Yes, you're just there, you're existing, you know, and you're just hoping to survive another day. Yeah. But everything is out of your hands. That's one you know? thing that, like, when I... I mean, because mental health in the United States is so bad right now, um... And, you know, I understand, like, it's very difficult for young people to figure that out, especially with social media and and their peers. They're all experiencing anxiety and depression and all this. 
what does that, when you see young people going through that and knowing that like you had to like go through so much in life and you just like not depression, like you didn't mm-hmm. have time to be depressed. You didn't have oh, time no. to have anxiety and sit there and think about it. You just had to focus on survival. When you, when you hear about people who have anxiety and depression and they just want to just, I guess, have a victim's mentality and they don't, they just want to sit there on social media and not do anything for like to better themselves. How does that make you feel as somebody who's a survivor of, of a war? Right. Um, I try not to judge their situation because I'm not going to say who am I to judge who mentally headed wars, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, I believe that mental health issue is a still big issue in USA. It's unbelievable that at this time and age we're still fighting it like it's taboo. You know, it's, um, it's people are still embarrassed to admit they're depressed, you know, or they have issues. Or like you said, there's people, they're just on a social media not doing anything to help themselves. But sometimes help is really not available because um, I know when we came here, nobody offered us any therapy. Right. You know, we're just supposed to, I guess, figure it out. So let me guess, let me ask you this. When you came here, you said that you guys were suffering from PTSD and and rightfully so. I mean, because you were just in a war zone. I mean, oftentimes our veterans suffer from PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you guys manage that? Because you said you didn't have the resources available. And the thing is, um, a lot of people, and I want to say all older generation, like in their late 50s, not older, they're not that old, but you know, in their 50s, 60s, I heard a lot, they were under the impression that once you come to America, everything is handed to you, you know, like, oh, they're just giving it to the refugees, they're just living their best life, and it is so far from the truth. Yeah, You're here, and you're told you're on probation for three months, meaning they're going to offer you two jobs. No, they're going to offer you three jobs. Two you can turn down, third one you can take. Uh, you cannot have anything, any tickets or anything, you know, with uh, police. Um, you're supposed to work. They give you Medicaid and food stamps for three months. That was it. So, um, But would that still be better than, like, if you yes, were in a different country? Of course. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I heard so much, so right. many people say to me, like, Oh yeah, they're just—they don't have money for Americans. They're not helping Americans with this and that, but they're giving money to refugees. You know, they're under the impression like we just come here and take, and everything is like here you go, which yeah. is not. Yeah. It's really tough to make it. It really is. You have three months, like I said, and they decide if you're—you know—so my parents. Who's saying that? Americans or like other um, people? No, that's the government. That's oh. the rules that was in right, place. Right, right. But who's saying that if you come to America, you're just giving Oh, that's stuff. a lot of people. I heard a lot of people say that. I read on social media a lot of people um, complain about saying, oh, they're going to let the Pakistanis here and they're just going to give them the money and the houses and this mm, and that just I to see. live here. And it's not like that. There's like a lot of hoops you have to go through and prove yourself that you're worthy of, you know, staying here. Right. And which is, it should be, you know, you can't just really nearly have people come in here. Right. But it's my biggest um, pet peeve. And what hurts my feelings the most is 
when people say, it was just handed to you. All you had to do is come here and they give you tax breaks and they really, you know, yeah, they're under their false impression and they're so intimidated by refugees. They're thinking they're taking your, you know, our jobs right, and, right. you know. One thing that um, I found, because my, my family um, is from Honduras and oh, okay. my dad is literally from Honduras. And then, you know, obviously like his siblings have come here from Honduras. And, um, but the thing is like, one thing I've realized, even like some of the kids that my, my daughter goes to school with their parents, they've like, some of them come from India and like all these other countries. Mm-hmm. They, when they come here, they look at it as an opportunity. And it, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing to me because, and I'm guilty of it too. You know, I was born here, but um, it's easy to take advantage of what we have and take advantage of the, of our opportunities. Like we know that, like, I know if I wanted to start a business tomorrow that I could, mm-hmm. but am I going to, you know, and right. most people probably won't, at least if you're American. But however, if you are like a, a refugee or somebody who came from a different country, you look at that as an opportunity to succeed. And most of them start businesses and they're extremely successful because they know that they don't want to go back and they know how bad it really could be. Mm-hmm. And so they try to make their life here as best as possible. And that's exactly it, what my dad told me. You're given one shot. That's it. You can either succeed or you can fail and go back and, you know. And really one shot for you guys because, I mean, like, for instance, if I got one shot, like, I don't really get one shot. Like, if I failed at a business, right, I could just redo it or figure right. it out. Whereas like you, you know, or somebody who's a refugee, you get one shot. If you don't succeed, then you're, you're sent back. Right. right. So yeah, you kind of come here and like I said, you have PTSD. Everybody does. I'm sure you don't speak any English. You're sharing a house with people from different part of the world, speaking different language. You're trying to get along. <laughs> you know, you're working these factory jobs. You know, my dad was a businessman. He was a successful guy. Now he's working in a factory, you know. But there was the sacrifices that they and we had to, you know, endure and take in order to be a successful American and now I'm an American citizen, you know, with my own house and career and, you know, uh, went to college, all of this stuff. And I'm just amazed because sometimes I look back and it it would be easier just to fold. Yeah. I mean, under the pressure just to kind of like, well, if you wanted to give yourself any excuse to not succeed, you could, because you're like, well, I've, I had to witness people dying, I had to witness, or I don't know if you did, but you know, oh, like yeah. if you're in war. This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new houseplants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. Like you more than likely seen somebody die. Yes. And you've seen people like die of hunger or maybe mm-hmm. even just were murdered or whatever it was. Um, and that can be a crippling ailment for a lot of people. Like if I see somebody die, I don't know how I would handle that, right. but I could imagine that it would affect me. Right. But you chose to not let that affect you and still become successful right. regardless. 
and without um, any guidance or any mental help, it's easy for people to become alcoholics or, you know. Yeah, drown it away. When you, yeah. Then that's, you know, I still have nightmares. I've been here since 1996. And, um, no, 1998, I'm sorry. And when we watch certain movies, it doesn't even have to be a war movie. I try to avoid those. But it could be something that I would never think would trigger my PTSD, and it does. Mm. It could be just one scene or something they said or the way they sound, you know. So years and years later, I'm still in the back of my mind scared. Every time America mentions going to war, and like I said, we're pumped up because, you know, I mean, we have the biggest army and we're such a strong country, but me, I'm just panicking because so yeah, you so understand bad. the repercussions of war and you understand what kind of effects it could have on i mean now you have a son who could be drafted if we go mm-hmm. to war and like right. you, you understand that it's just you to me you know war means killings and everything i saw and it was so barbaric that's what people how people describe uh bosnian war it was just so barbaric the, the stuff that they did was not a human, you know. Yeah. And that's how I picture that, you know, every war, that's how it is. Because mm-hmm. that's all I know. You know, yeah. that's how I seen it. Yeah. Well, I mean. It scares me. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah I, no war is pretty. That's for no. sure. No. <laughs> yeah. No war. And is. we watch the movies and we're amazed, you know, because we see heroes and yeah. victories. And we play video games. Um about, you know, being soldiers and shooting and all of this stuff uh, is entertaining. But not when you live through it, then you, you know, realize this is not a video game anymore, you know. Do you allow your son to play those kind of video games? I do. uh, And he's not, luckily, he's not interested in them. Mm. Uh, So, um It's, it's hard to balance. I try not to, like I said, I try not to terrify them. And I try not to um, have, I also have a daughter who is 16. I try not to have them um, feel bad or, you know, I just want them to know the story. And it hurts my feelings um, when I feel like I'm not doing enough, mm. you know. It's like, I just want to shake and be like, do you know what I've been through? <laughs> you know, uh, there's always going to be somebody with a bigger house or nicer car or more money. Yeah. And I try to tell my kids that's not what measures happiness. However, if you have an opportunity to be successful, you have opportunity to get a degree, to start a business, take it. It's okay to live a good life it's okay to have a nice house and drive a nice car and go on vacation that's all what i like to do and what my family likes to do don't be embarrassed by it yeah. but it's not you know they take it to the extreme like it has to be like we see yeah well i mean again going back to like how how bad mental health is here in the united states like it it always looks like you know, like if somebody has a nicer house or a bigger house or a bigger car that mm-hmm. like they, they have a really good life. However, like you don't know how they are mentally or right. how they are emotionally. Like they might, 
they might not be doing well at all. Right. You know, like, yeah, they may have all those things, but are they truly successful? Like, are they just working a job that they absolutely hate to work? Are they living in Mm -hmm. the, are they in the cycle of life that they cannot get out of and they don't like at all? Are they truly happy? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's easy to, you know, kind of compare yourself to somebody like that. Like, oh, I want that. You know, it's, yeah. It's just materialism all, is so all it is. We're so consumed by it because it's shoved it, in our faces more than yeah. it ever was. Yeah. You know, when you look, when you watch the YouTube videos and you have a 16 years old yeah. YouTuber influencer, you know, um, showing you this fabulous life that yeah. might, or not, might not be true. And it's a poison. It really teenagers. is. It's a poison to kids. And it is one of the biggest causes of depression lately. Yeah. We're so consumed, you know, we want to keep up, we want to compete, we want to be those people, you know, and show off, and the reality is completely different. Yeah, that's one thing, like, um, I mean, I don't want to, like, brag about myself or anything, but, like, with our house, when we bought this house, it did not look this way. Right. And we've actively, like, over the years tried to change it. We put the stone on, Mm -hmm. resided it, did the landscaping. But it was, like, one of those things that, like I had a thing in my head, like, okay, this is what I want it to look like. But you, you work hard at trying to change that. Then you have a greater appreciation mm-hmm. for it when it's done, as opposed to like, if you were to just buy into it, you bought the house and mm-hmm. it was already like that. You don't appreciate that. Right. I think that helps. That helps so much when you work hard for something. Right. I think hard work and earning something help helps with mental health. I think that, mm-hmm. I think with instant gratification, you know, today, it, that's a huge thing, you know, because you see, again, you see the YouTube stars, you see mm-hmm. a famous podcasters or the famous whatever. Yeah. And you're like, wow, like it looks like they got that overnight. Right. And Instagram models. And yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, you know, you think they're an instant success and really they worked hard to get there. Right. And right. people don't realize that. But. Yeah, I think it's important to work hard for what you want. And then right. you'll truly appreciate what you do have. Right. But it is a struggle that I hear a lot of parents um, also are struggling with it. Yeah. Kids just being so consumed with yeah. the material things. and Absolutely. Yeah. How do you, what do you think could be done about that? I mean... Because obviously it's, a, it's like almost like a cycle that you can't take it back. Like our kids are already involved in like YouTube. My my daughter right. watches YouTube all the time. I I say the same thing all the time. Like we, this is not good for her to be watching. Yep. But it's like, how do you, how do you? You can't stop it. No. It's it's a force that's unstoppable at this point. Yeah. My husband absolutely hates social media. Uh, he's American, <laughs> um, and he hates texting. He hates, you know, and I think about it a lot. He's absolutely right, you know. He um, complains about when we text and I argue, and he said it's just conversations are not the same anymore, you know. Like mm. then we pull up the text, pull out the text message, and use it again, you know, later. Like you said, it's just becoming so overwhelming. I wish, you know, that we could control what's put on social media, but we cannot. Like you said, we're not going to change that. So it has to come from home. Uh, We have to limit amount of the time they're spending on internet, monitor, check their phones, and check what they're 
you know, and yeah. it's easier said than done because when you have teenagers and they're quiet for a while, you're like, <laughs> okay, thank God. <laughs> but then you don't know who they're talking about. I keep telling this to my daughter nonstop. You don't know who is behind the other side. Yeah, It can be somebody who put a picture that looks like a 16, 17-year-old boy. Yeah. It could be, you know, yeah. uh, it's a lot of danger there too. So it has to come where we as parents control um, the time our children spend on social media and spend on internet. And like I said, it's easier said than done because I know I failed, you know. And well, I mean, it's it's something that there was there's really no path of what's right and what's wrong mm-hmm. and like what amount of time is right and what amount of time is wrong like it's something that you got to try to navigate and it's like what should i watch my should i mm-hmm. let, allow my kid to watch youtube or their tablet for an hour a day right or like you know there's no like guidelines no for anything guide exa- and it's our reality this is what yeah. this is not going away it's just getting bigger and bigger yeah and kids don't play outside anymore. No, they no, don't. They don't go to the movies. Why? They can just sit home and watch it on laptop and not move, you know. Yeah. They, you know, they don't experience life, real life outside of the virtual world because everything is now online. Everything you can order, your food, everything. Yeah. You don't have to ever leave the house, but you're missing out. Yeah. You're missing out a lot. And this is the one... Um, struggle that we are currently having in my house because my husband tells my daughter you know like you gotta get out of the house you gotta you know do things with us and he's been preaching about it and preaching about it he's way better at setting boundaries than I am like I said I failed but I think about what he said a lot lately and he's absolutely right like we're just using uh touch with reality you know, yeah. it gets exciting when you post a picture and you have tons yeah. of likes or people. And it can be used as a good thing, social media, for a business promotion for me. Even then. You know, connecting with my family. It's, yeah. You know, I can see their pictures and stuff, but there's also a lot of bad stuff happening. Yeah, it's even then, though, when you, like, you could say that, well, it's it's really good for promoting a business. Like, I use that excuse for Facebook or uh, for any social media, really. I'm like, it's a really good tool to promote your, your business, which it is. I'm not yeah. going to lie. However, like, when you post something, I find myself doing it all the time. You get on there, like, oh, wow, like, 30 new likes? What What is this? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then you find yourself kind of getting addicted to that. Yeah, and yeah. like. I just posted a video on YouTube uh, the other day and like, I just, I, I posted it. And then like within minutes I watched it just skyrocket. I'm like, Whoa. And then all day I found myself like yeah. checking to see how many views I got. And I'm like, this is not good. And it's like, it's almost like an addiction, like your brain releases. Yeah. I mean, it's dopamine. Do- yes. Yeah. And you're just like high on life. You, got, <laughs> you know, yeah. all these likes and you're, so my question is like, is it negative? Because Obviously, um, most of society is online now and we're kind of moving to like to that world now. Right. Whereas like, you know, we even have like these, um, uh, what do you call it? You put on the, like the, uh, the glasses. Oh um, yeah. The ver- yeah. What are they called? The yeah. The V, the VR glasses. And you have like these, these fake worlds that you create, mm-hmm. but it's almost like it's becoming like a virtual, like a real virtual world. Right. Like, would you say that that's negative, like a negative experience, or is it just like a, the next phase of evolution for the human being? I, that, that's a tough one. I do believe it's negative. If it 
if you make it away, if that's all you do yeah. and you allow yourself to kind of lose touch with reality and don't get out, go on vacation, but instead you put those goggles on and it's right there, you're in Tahiti, you know. <laughs> uh, that's not the same experience. Yeah. One thing we love to do as a family, my family's travel. And those are the memories my dad told me before he died. Uh, in one conversation, he said, you can never know, have too much education, know too many languages, and travel too much. You know, because everything can be taken away. We witnessed that in the war. You, we had everything you can imagine and then some, and then it's, you yeah. know, it's gone. Yeah. But what I couldn't take is, you know, your knowledge, the knowledge and the memories that we have traveling together and experiences, you know, experiences exactly. So yeah. um, that's something you take with you. And that's um, that's what I live by type, you know. Yeah. I just that's but for somebody who is younger than us or than me and this is their world. That's all they know. Yeah. Like my nieces and my nephews, you know, they're small kids and they all, that's what I know. That's normal to them. Yeah. Just like COVID is normal to them because that's all they know, you know, to yeah. our little kids and it's normal to put a mask on and it's normal to, you know, yeah. so how you tell them there's something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is with, you know, um, with, like the virtual reality world or just the social media realm or technology technology in general if something were to happen like a war or something all that goes away instantaneously and then and you've wasted all this time and, and we're doomed <laughs> we, we really are because nobody knows how to yep. face reality at that point they don't know how to like like they don't know how to face the, I, the world you know I know it's not funny, but how many videos you see, there's a disaster going on and people are snapping pictures and going live. And it's like, I feel like that's what would happen to us if we were, God forbid, to go. We'll be like, hey, you know, war day two. We're just so consumed by making sure that everybody knows every step that we are taking, you know, and everything that's happening to us. And we need society's approval and we need uh, strangers' approval. And that's not healthy. I seen a TikTok video um, when the Ukraine and Russia war broke out and these guys were parachuting from planes and they were TikToking and they were like laughing as they're falling into a war right. zone. And I was like, what is, go this is wild. And that's how I feel like the younger generations, you know, are, they're just so brainwashed. That yeah. It's, it's such a bad thing. It's such a bad it, thing to be so... And then we have a lot of suicides because of the social media bullying. Yeah. That's another big thing. Um, now it's even easier. You don't have to wait till you're in school to get bullied. You come home and it follows you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's just, it's poison. It really is. And I really wish I knew what to say or I wish that, but it's not going to change. Yeah. It's not going to change. It's just the reality. So, um and like I said, that's what I try to tell my kids. It's not, you know, the life, you have it good, trust me. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know? have it really good. Like, just my, stop. My question is, because you've had to go through so much struggle through your life that you have, I would assume, a greater appreciation for life. Like, I mean, you obviously came to the United States. Right. You have a good life now, and I'm sure you're happy. 
Yeah. How do you manage to give your kids, I mean, because obviously you don't want to see them struggle. You don't want to see them go through the same kind of struggles you went through. But I feel like the struggles that you went through kind of help set you up for life and, and everything that was to come and to, I guess, propel you to become more successful. Right. How do you give your kids struggle? Do you... God, it's it, so hard. Yeah, it's got to be difficult. It is difficult as a parent, you know. It's easy to judge and to say, oh, if this was me looking as an outsider, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't give my kids, you know. Like I said, I'm just like anybody else. I failed a lot, you know. Yeah. I give in a lot. Um, I, I don't know. It's My husband comes from a different background, and he is a person who appreciates everything, of course, and... Um, He's way better as parenting when it comes to that, to kind of like, you know, me, I feel some kind of guilt for whatever reason, <laughs> you know, because I did grow up very privileged. Mm. And my dad did made every single dream and wish to make true, you know. And I kind of feel like I'm being um, dishonest if I don't do the same but then I don't want my kids to be as spoiled as I was. And I'm saying this honestly. I never wanted to be spoiled like I was as a child. And when I was in a war, I remember sitting in a basement and telling myself, I might never eat chocolate again. Mm. You know, simple thing like that. I'm thinking about chocolate because I'm so hungry. But I'm like, that's my favorite, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'll never eat chocolate again. And everything, like you said, everything is more appreciated now. And I'm trying to kind of convey that to my kids. And I'm working on it. They're good kids. You know, they're starting to um, become little adults. And my son, you know, he's an independent person. And <laughs> earning his own money, that helps, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of, they're different, you know. I was here working since I came. Yeah. That was the first thing I did, find a little job bagging groceries at Myers When for you were $5. 16? Yeah. Wow. And, and going to school and taking a bus and having rides. And, you know, he doesn't have to do any of that. He didn't have to work till he's 18, you yeah. know, till he got his car, till he finished his high school, you know. Yeah. But again, it's not their fault. So it's I'm kind of in their limb, like, okay, it's not their fault that what happened to me happened, so I don't have to take it out. I'm trying to take it out on them and restrict them from everything in life. Mm. But at the same time, I know I give in a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so Well, I mean, that's the that's the good thing about having the resources that you have now available. Is right. and that's the whole point. Is like you don't want your you don't want your kids to struggle as hard as you had to struggle. Right. But at the same time, it's like you don't want them to become as spoiled. Like you right. don't want them to become spoiled and take advantage of things and unappreci be unappreciative. And that's what it is. You and know, that's I, I think that's a huge thing in today's society is because of the instant gratification. Like the ability to just get on your smartphone and order something on Amazon and it shows up the next day. Like I know sometimes when I do that, I don't order stuff on Amazon very often because I would much rather go to the store and buy it. But um, if I can't get it the next day, I'm like, are you serious? Right. <laughs> like it's it's one of those things that, you and know. And that's inconvenient to us. Like, gosh, yeah. they're not going to deliver it, you know. Right. It's going to take a couple of days. It's just, yeah. yeah. And I just think that, you know, like, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you change that? How do you get a kid to not, mm -hmm. to not, I guess, be unappreciative and 
and take advantage of all that. Right. How we set the healthy balance. You right. Know, where they can. And I think that's what it is. Since when they're little, we have to start telling them how long they can use the internet and kind of expose them. But us as a parents, we fail because we're glued to the phone too. Yeah. You know, we have yeah. to do better. We have to expose them to the real life and take them places and yep. have them, you know, experience the real life, not just a virtual. And like I said, we as a parents, we're on it too. So Yeah, I mean, how are you going to tell your kid that he can't be on mm-hmm. YouTube or whatever it is, right. you know, for more than an hour a day when you're constantly picking up constantly. your phone? and. You know, that's something I'm guilty of too. Right. I mean, I think everybody's guilty of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's easy. It's an easy distraction. Like when you're bored for a couple seconds, just, just be like, grab. you don't even yeah. have to log in. No, you know, sometimes like, it lights up when you just grab it. There you go. <laughs> yep. That's, you don't even have to push a button. I took off my Facebook a couple of times and I read somewhere it takes seven days to change your um, routine or to change your habits. I don't know, habits. Yeah. And when it started to feel good, it really did. I felt like I wasn't reaching for my phones. Like, I can be in a morning meeting, you know, with 10, 12 managers, and I look around, and every, you know, once in a while, somebody kind of picks up the phone, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, mm-hmm. the, and it's just, you're in a meeting. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like a professional sitting there, and <laughs> you're you're just thinking like, oh, somebody like your picture, somebody you, you know. Yeah. And we respond immediately. Yeah. So when I took it off for a few days, it started to feel good. I felt like I was doing more, mm-hmm. but then I went back. And just like that, I was, you know, back, back. Yeah. It sucks you back in. It does. It's like a portal. Um, One thing I did with Facebook, and I, I probably should do it again, for some reason it, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's because I got a new phone and it just took it off or something, but there's a setting that you can put on Facebook and I think you could probably do it on all the social media platforms, but you can set a timer. So um, whenever, like I set it for five minutes a day because I, I figured like if you're scrolling on Facebook for more than five minutes, like, because the way I do it is like, I'm like on there for a couple minutes. I'm like, okay, this is boring. Get off. But then I find myself like two minutes later again right. doing it. And then again, just like refreshing and see what's new. Yeah. yeah. But I figured if you set a timer for five minutes a day, like that's a decent amount of time of scrolling. Mm-hmm. You can figure out like what's going on. And that helped me tremendously. I, I found myself like because it would just uh, I actually at first I would use the f- full five minutes. It would go off and then I couldn't access fa- uh, Facebook anymore. But then um I find my, I found myself only like using like a minute or two minutes a day. Mm-hmm. It was it was pretty remarkable. <laughs> I should probably I, should, I need to do that again. I feel but. like in life anything we do uh, in moderation is fine. Yeah, I believe that to be true with everything. You know, even with religion, everything with moderation. You know, that's actually good. I'm gonna try that. Yeah, you should. When I log in, I'm watching one video, and then <laughs> 20 minutes later, I am so deep. I don't even know what I'm watching. You know, you start watching yeah. cute dog videos, and now I'm watching <laughs> a camel give birth. And, you know, it's just, you just keep clicking the next yeah. and the next, and you're so sucked in. So that's yeah. actually a good idea. It's a really good idea to put timers on your phone, even if um, you just put a timer, like, on your I, th- I think there's a way you could maybe put a timer on your phone to mm-hmm. where you're only on your phone so so much. 
Um, that might be a good idea too. I think as long as you're cognizant of the amount of time you're spending on it, mm-hmm. then you're kind of aware. And right. if if you're aware of it, you're more than likely going to try to make a difference. You know, if you, if you realize it's truly affecting your life and it's affecting your life in a negative manner. Um, and that's one thing I... I think I actively think about that. And I think a lot of people do like based off of conversations mm-hmm. I've, I've had, I think a lot of people think about the amount of time that they spend on social media and the amount of time they spend on, you know, in on their devices and whatnot. Mm-hmm. They realize that it's not beneficial to their life. Right. But uh, how many of us are capable of doing that? Yeah. I mean, it's an addiction. It's, like, it's almost like smoking. Like, right. like, you know, you're, you know you want to stop and you know you don't like it, but it feels so good. It does. <laughs> I can't stop. No, yeah. It doesn't, you know, till something and it's just, yeah. 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 And then we get, you know, like TikTok, like, you know, like Facebook was pretty bad. And then now we have TikTok. And it's watching like, these videos and it gives a platform. I think what's also, you know, really nice. It just gives a platform for regular people like us we can just make a video and you don't even have to do too much some of the videos you know you watch it's like they're so dumb but they're funny you're just entertained by other people's lives yeah literally (laughs) you know so you don't have to be a celebrity to be popular anymore yeah you know no there's there's been people I actually had a guy on the podcast who had like a hundred thousand views or a hundred thousand followers or subscribers, whatever you call them on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's easy. It's incredibly easy to get it. And it's like, that's, that's amazing. Like that, that guy has a hundred thousand people who like him. And it would be <laughs> the, the stupidest video that you don't think it would get popular. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can, sometimes you look at some really good videos. My son posted a few years ago, a a little video close up to his eye, like, you know, and then he was like, oh, my God, all these likes. And <laughs> what is so entertaining about that? <laughs> but, you know, he had thousands and thousands of likes and views yeah. or whatever, and he was so excited. It's like the biggest accomplishment, for, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, so what's the video about? It's my, it's his eye, literally, <laughs> like he's closing in, and that was it. Wow. But people, it's just, yeah. Random stuff like that. Yeah, people are attracted to really dumb things. And it's like, it, but it's amusing. It and pro- is. Probably because we all realize that we're we're more alike than we're not. Right. And it's like, wow, that person is just like me. And they're yep. on here, like, sharing yep. it. You know, or that's something I would do. Like, yeah. I mean, like, how many people have been bored and pulled up their camera and just, like, started, like, doing right. this? And they're like, wow, that's cool. And then right. your son just happened to record it and put it on yep. social media and people liked it. Right. <laughs> Well, there are like, you know, healthy benefits running a business, staying in touch with relatives. And like you said, a little entertainment where you kind of like, okay, we're all just alike, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think it, I don't think like technology and social media and all this stuff is negative. I don't think it's a negative thing. It's Mm -hmm. obviously added a lot of benefits as far as like communication and being able to keep in contact with family who are like out of state or Mm -hmm. across the country or across the world. Like it's connected so many people mm-hmm. and, and it's helped so many people. And I think it just depends on how we use it and how right. it, how we let it affect our lives. That's, that's the negative aspect right. of it. It's, it's our mental health. It's, it's what we do with it. Cause we haven't figured out how to separate good from bad. No. Get it both, you know, Yeah. on yeah. social media and 
And yeah, and I think a lot of people let let even if they see something they don't agree with on social media, they can't stop themselves. They have to comment and they have to like it and they they have to engage. It's like mm-hmm. that is not healthy either. When you see things you don't agree with, it's easy it's easy to want to respond. Because you're hiding behind, uh, maybe you wouldn't say it if there was face to face. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. You know, but now you're like, oh, I'm in my home. What is this person in Kentucky <laughs> going to do about it? So I'm just going to call him out on it. And yeah. you're arguing for two hours with people you never met. Yeah, and it, it's not, that's not healthy. <laughs> it's not. That's not healthy at all. No. Um, yeah, I try not to engage in any of that. But I, <laughs> I bring that up because I also had a, a guy comment on, I posted on Facebook the other day. Because I thought it was funny. Um, this guy commented on my YouTube video and was like, keep your garbage off my feed. And I'm like, this guy doesn't even, his name's Bob. So I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even be giving him credit on this podcast. But when Bob I seen. needs it. <laughs> yeah. When I seen that, I immediately thought, well, that's a sad guy. Right. Like who, who takes their time and effort to, mm-hmm. if they don't, if they see something they don't like to give the person a thumbs down and then comment on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming he had been giving me thumbs down on most of my videos because there's always one person who gives right. me a thumbs down on all my all my content. And I'm like, why would they give that? A, that's a good that's a mm-hmm. like a motivational piece. Why would you give that a thumbs down? Um, but then I just think that like that's a really sad person. Like right. what is he going through? What is what is his life really like? And honestly, it just gave me motivation and inspiration to keep on doing what I'm doing. And if not, double down on what I'm doing. Right. Because Obviously, you're doing something right if people don't like it. Right. Well, lucky for you, you have the mental strength to do so. Yeah. But imagine if there was a teenager who is insecure. Right. You know, and somebody comments. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it could be crippling. It could be. It could be very crippling yeah. to somebody who's not. Um, right. Who's not as secure in who they are mm-hmm. as a person. And imagine if it was like a friend, somebody they, or not a friend, but somebody they knew from school even. Mm-hmm. And they, they gave it a thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, actually probably a good thing that fo- Facebook and like the social media media platforms don't have a thumbs down. Right. Can you Could imagine? You, oh my gosh. <laughs> so many people would have complexes. I know. We would be <laughs> meeting each other in parking lots. And yeah. <laughs> really fighting. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know where it's going, but I do think that like having these kind of conversations about it and having the awareness does help and i think Mm -hmm. it it changes the way people think about things and you know it it, like somebody listening to your story and listening to you talk about this they might be like oh wow you know what she's right i need to restrict the time on my kids tablets or whatever or even my time on my phone right you know it could it could help somebody so hopefully (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i don't know if it'll ever be any different but you never know yeah i mean i think it's it's all subjective, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it, what works for one person might not work for another, mm-hmm. you know, like one person could probably spend five hours a day on their, on their phones and, yeah. and be fine. Whereas another person spend 20 minutes. And, mm-hmm. and I think it also has a lot to do with the kind of content you're taking in kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, you had mentioned the video games and how that affects, you know, like, because you had gone through a, a war and you had been a survivor of that, seeing some of these things, triggers Mm -hmm. and it it affects you mentally and emotionally and um you know so like if you see some content on social media that you don't that that might trigger some things Mm -hmm. you know that obviously helps play into 
right. you know, into your mental, mental health. health. Exactly. So it all yep. depends on the kind of content you're taking in, too. Yep. And there's everything there, you know. Yep. People just post and share, and it's out of your control what you're going to stumble across and what, you know. Yeah. Well, and that, and that goes to, like, algorithms, too, which could be beneficial. Um, you know, like, if you like or you watch majority of, like, motivational videos mm-hmm. or whatever, then that's the kind of stuff you're going to typically see. Yeah. So, you know, as long as you, like, and if you watch, like, negative videos, like, videos of war and videos right. of people dying or whatever it is, then that's the kind of stuff you're going to see, and that's going to affect up. you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> they listen. They do. You ever talk about something, and then uh, your Facebook is suggesting <laughs> to buy it? Yeah, it's scary. It is. Did you actually... Um, uh, they cover this on a podcast I listen to, but they covered the terms of service for TikTok. And did you know that TikTok, um, when they when you agree to sign up for TikTok, they they are you're agreeing to them using your computer and any tablet that's associated with that phone. So, you know how like Facebook, right. for instance, like they 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 know like when you're looking stuff up on Google, and that's mm-hmm. why you see some ads too. They also listen to you talk. But, um, yeah, TikTok does that, too. So wow. they they know, like, what you're looking up on. Like, you may not use your kid's tablet, but it's mm-hmm. con- somehow connected to your phone. So they can take that intellectual data and use that. Wow. It's insane. It is. It's very insane. I've been trying. I've been staying away from TikTok. Uh, but it now comes on a Facebook. Yeah. And a little short videos. Yeah. And um, next thing I know, I'm watching <laughs> it, you know. <laughs> You can't, you cannot yeah. escape. You really cannot. <laughs> you cannot. It's just, you got to have some self-awareness and self-respect for yourself mm-hmm. and uh, some self uh, I said self-awareness, but like some self, um, like you got to audit, like self-audit, mm-hmm. you know, like, am I, am I, is this affecting me? Am yes. I doing too much of this? You know, just whatever yep. it is. Is it making me happy? You know, because yeah. a lot of. A lot of days for a lot of people, um, it affects their mood depending what they saw on a Facebook. Yeah. What they, I have a coworker who um, said that lately um, a lot of her friends are sharing just negative stuff, kidnapping, Oof. Um, you know, um, killings and shootings and drugs and that. And she was, she said she became so depressed. Because people share, and you know, she's yeah. looking, she's reading, and to the point where she had to um, deactivate her account for a few months, a few weeks, Oof. and go back at it. Because she said that would, you know, you can wake up in a good mood, have a cup of coffee, and then one of your friends lost somebody, and you know, somebody posted something, yeah. and it affects your mood. Yeah, because you know, you're human, you have feelings, and yeah, so that could, you know, yeah, it. There's so many things. Yep. I don't know. Me <laughs> neither. I don't Me know. Me neither. Just go with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do what works for you and, as, yep. and try to like actively make your life better. And it, it takes self auditing. You have to it realize does. that, okay, this is not making me a better person. Um, like I, I, because I do the podcast, I spend so much time on my computer and my right. phone and I absolutely hate it. Like I, before the podcast, before I even started this thing, I never spent that much Okay, my wife would probably argue with you, but (laughs) I never spent that much time on social media, like at least posting and trying to get likes or anything like that. Um, 
but and that's when I I set the timer on Facebook because I realized like I'm on on the, I'm on this way too much, right. and so I actively try to try, try to stop that. But now it's like because of the like I use the whole promoting thing like uh, it, right. like it's a good way to promote, which it is. But I spend way too much time, even if I'm not on social media or on whatever platform I'm promoting on. I'm editing or I'm mm-hmm. uploading or I'm typing descriptions, creating thumbnails. I'm always on my, my tablet or my computer. Right. And just even working, do, I mean, essentially it's working. It, it's not, I don't like it. It, mm-hmm. it affects my moods and it affects the way I feel. Like I, ha- I have headaches all the time. I like, do too. Yeah. I, I cannot, I don't know how people work on, on computers all day. And, you know, I, I at work I have to because I work in a nursing home. So, uh, of course, we use laptops for all the charting mm, and everything, yeah. and it's just, I get headaches, too. And what I do is I started stepping out of the building for lunch, mm. and I leave my phone, and, of course, computer stays. I literally do it, and I step out, and I just go in my car, and maybe I'll go to Speedway or somewhere and just kind of, like, you know, detach Otherwise, I'm just getting these headaches and then yeah. I'm being moody, yeah. you know, and I don't want to be moody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, but yeah, I understand. Yeah. That's one thing I, I realized, like, because um, I, I used to run all the time and detaching from, like, podcasts and music was super beneficial. Like, if you just get outside and go for a run without headphones in, you realize like, wow, this is amazing. Like you hear the birds chirping, yeah. you hear crickets and you hear the wind blowing and just like, wow. Meanwhile, I'm just watching somebody exercise <laughs> on YouTube <laughs> while I'm having my snack. Like, oh, maybe I should try this exercise, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I, you know, I, I do believe it can be successful if, you're mentally strong yeah you know and if we teach our kids to be mentally strong and prepare them to be mentally strong because if we don't the you know virtual world can destroy them yeah can destroy them mentally well i mean you're setting them up for failure so if we have those conversation keep having conversation about healthy amount of time and yeah. building their self-confidence so when somebody's being a bully on a Facebook, they don't, you know, it does not affect them to the point where they're depressed or they want to hurt themselves or they become subdued, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like you're... The only way you can build that confidence, though, is by by doing things yeah. and by knowing that you're capable of being better than what you actually... what than what other people think right. you are. Yeah. And... um. Yeah, that's generally confidence is built through like being physical, like doing something physical, like whether it's like gymnastics or Mm -hmm. working out or martial arts or playing a sport, you know, because then you know you're good at something or even music, like being a musician or whatever, like having some sort of hobby that you know that you're good at helps you know that you're not a piece of crap when somebody (laughs) on Facebook tells you you suck. Right. You know. Yep, you gotta be, yeah, gosh. Um, and people can be cruel. Yeah. People like, I would, when I first got the Facebook, boy, I had things to say. <laughs> when I look back at those memories, sometimes I'm embarrassed. I just want to <laughs> delete it. Like, why was I so angry? What was mm. I, you know, but it was a new thing. It was exciting. And yeah. 
it gave me the feeling like if I'm going to bitch, who is going to stop me? You know, <laughs> right. like I'm just going to put it out there. So yeah. it's my Facebook. And now, uh, yeah, when I look back, <laughs> like what the heck was going on with me That's back funny. then? That is really funny. And, but that, that goes to show that you grew and you, right. you know, like some people, they still do that. They right. started, they started doing it when social media was new and they continue to do it. Those people I have to unfollow. <laughs> and where does the energy come from? I don't know. To argue and, and, and argue. And yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess my husband would disagree with that because he'll tell me that I argue with him via text <laughs> message and I have energy for that. But, you know, you see people on the Facebook arguing with different personal. strangers every single day. Yeah. Who cares yeah. what they think, you know? Yeah. But people can be cruel. I, I read some cruel comments and had people like comment on something and just wow like they go for a throat yeah you know and if you're not mentally strong i can see i can see why people get depressed yeah you know and yeah. all of the sudden this opinion of this person that you don't even know matters yeah you know yeah and like we said before if they saw us in a person they probably wouldn't say things like that but they're hiding behind the screen and it's easier to bully yeah. and to, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that was one thing that for me, like doing this podcast, I had done it for almost, I had done it for over a year and I had all positive feedback from doing the podcast. Like nobody um, ever came at me for anything. Like people were always nice. And then I did one episode with a politician that nobody liked and <laughs> I got so much negative feedback and people like were just nasty mm -hmm. and people in our own community. People that, you know, are supposed to be like uplifting right. and they were attacking me. They're like, oh, he's just doing this for attention or he's, you know, this or he's that. And I was like, wow. And you're just like, doing the interview. I was just doing an interview. that you're siding with a person no. that you agree. Exactly. You and know? I even said, this is not an endorsement. It's just me talking right. to him. Right. And, you know, because he could very well be a politician that we all have to, you know, like Deal be with. under or whatever. <laughs> right. And it's like. You know, why not talk to them? But the thing is, is like people will just jump on this wagon and because they don't know you face, they don't know you personally or they, um, uh, they know that they can just get away with saying it because they're not in your face. They mm -hmm. would never say this to your face. Never say that stuff. No. But because they're behind their screen, then they, they feel comfortable yep. <laughs> to, to just tear somebody down. Right. Cause it can be anybody or they, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad. It really is. And, you know, I I try not to I don't engage in stuff like that. Like I don't I don't ever post anything negative um, because it's not beneficial whatsoever to anybody. Um, mm -hmm. And I try not to I try not to engage in negative feedback uh, on mm -hmm. my stuff. Um, and if I do, it's more or less me like post like that whole Bob thing. Like, Hey, I, I commented to him and I was like, Hey Bob, thanks for the, uh, positive or thanks for the feedback. Uh, it helped motivate me. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing or something like that. Right. And it's like, I know that that's, he's going to think about that when he sees that. Mm -hmm. And also other people are going to see that and they're going to see that like, okay, he responded in a very short, but mm -hmm. positive manner. Like he didn't shoot back and say, Oh, screw you, Bob. Right. You know, because that's not beneficial. No. That's not beneficial to them. It's not beneficial to you. And it's not beneficial to anybody who sees that and reads that. Right. 
Well, good for you, because I'm very opinionated, <laughs> and I, you know, I used to get into a lot of, like, I just wanted to say what I have to say, but now I literally look at it, and I'm thinking, is it worth it, the energy, is it yeah. worth, I don't even know this person, or why do I care? Well, you're not going to change anybody's mind, either. And I stopped, it, yeah. you know, I don't want to waste my energy trying to prove my point to somebody who, right. you know, what's, what is the end result? Nothing, really. Right. You know, you just wasted your time, wasted your energy, you could be doing <laughs> something else. So, yeah. yeah, I like how you handled that, you know. Just well, thank you. thanked him and moved on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it it's not beneficial whatsoever for mm-hmm. anybody to do. No. No. But, yeah, you were able to do that, though, you know. Like, you're mentally strong to take yeah. one negative feedback and kind of, like you said, used it to help you, motivate you, but how many kids, again, are not. Well, I'm, I'm stronger mentally now, but Mm -hmm. if I were, if that were to happen at the beginning of the podcast, who knows what kind of effect that would have had? Because, you know, I didn't have like the positive support that I have now, like Mm -hmm. from doing it for almost two years. Whereas like, you know, if I started like my, let's say my first episode or something, Mm -hmm. that guy posted that big, right. Like, like, oh man. Like imagine if that was like my first amount of feedback, like that would be enough to make somebody want to stop. Right. And it make it would be enough to make me question, like, should I keep doing this? Yep. You know, so like I understand how something like that could affect somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, and not everybody has that kind of mental fortitude. No. But it's, it's important just, to try yeah. to build that. Yeah. Take a negative yeah. and just sometimes you just have to brush it off. Yeah. You know, really yep. doesn't matter. Nope, it doesn't. You know, but I guess Bob had an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> You wanted to say what he wanted to say, I guess. Yeah, everybody's entitled to to their opinion. Right. You know, whatever. Like, I can not like my stuff. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't affect me. But he still, though, takes some time out of his day to comment or to, you know, dislike it or, you know. Yeah. So that makes you think, you know, like, if you don't like somebody, why are you taking time out of your life to watch it and to try to tear it down? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and based off of algorithms too, like you see the kind of th- the see you see the kind of content that you typically follow. Mm-hmm. So you're obviously watching other videos that mm-hmm. are associated to videos like mine, and yeah. you keep cu- you keep stumbling across mine. So yeah. I guess if you don't like seeing garbage, stop watching garbage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, sometimes negative feedback is also beneficial. It is, you know, like yeah. any attention, you know. Yeah. Sometimes that motivates more people to look and be like, okay, let me see what Bob is talking about. Yeah. And then you click and you're like, oh, yeah. this is actually not, you know, I like this. So, well, yes. And then it also helps you reflect on yourself too. Like, okay, so I've had some episodes where I talk about things and I don't necessarily like ex- explain fully mm-hmm. like what I'm trying to say or what I'm trying to convey. And it's mainly because like, you know, you're, you're kind of, it's kind of awkward doing a podcast and like, you're trying to like express your ideas and stuff, but it, does, it doesn't always come out the, no. the way you want it to. So sometimes it could sound bad to some people mm-hmm. and especially if it's like politics or something. And that's one thing like with doing the podcast, I'm like, I just told my wife, like, I think I need to, whenever I'm talking about something that could be like controversial is take the time on the podcast to explain fully. Mm-hmm. what you're trying to convey because 
like people could take that in a negative way. And I've had people say like, well, I didn't like what you said there. Even mm-hmm. just recently on a, on a podcast, I, a recent podcast, I had somebody say, well, I didn't like what he said about that. And I, I thought about that. I'm like, you know, like I don't agree with what he was saying, but I, I agree with the fact that maybe I should try to, um, I should try to explain myself a little bit better mm-hmm. and make myself, um, make my opinions a little bit more known as far as what I'm trying to convey in that moment, as opposed to just stating something and just letting that go. Right. See, to me, and this is my argument to my husband why I text, because I write better than I speak. <laughs> and I feel like if I put it in a text, like mm. I can, I get everything out there. Yeah. But if I, sometimes when I try to speak, it's like, I want to explain something, but the words are not just coming. I don't know how. Right. You know? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's for me, I, I'm that way too. It's, it's harder to like think of the words that you want to use. But when I'm like typing something, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this sounds good. Right. <laughs> um, and all of a sudden, like all these words are just flowing in. Yeah. Like, okay. But I try not to, especially when you have like, um, uh, when you have like autofill and stuff like that, you're like, oh, that word's good. Yep. <laughs> um, but I try not to like argue over text or fight over text because I just, I don't think that's beneficial whatsoever. Um, and mainly because like tone is everything when you're, when you're trying to talk about something serious, it's like you need to be able to hear that person's voice and they like, if you, you could be saying something that's totally innocent mm-hmm. and your husband could take it the wrong way. And you know what? He- that's exactly what he's been trying to say for a while. You know, you might not think it this way, but just when he's reading, it comes across, oh, is she, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's one thing that I guess I have to work on is to speak more. You know, we cannot, I cannot sit here and judge people spending time on social media arguing. Then <laughs> I cannot, you know, yeah. I'm like texting my husband and arguing, <laughs> you know, doing everything that he is absolutely right about it. You know, you yeah. just either wait till I'm home or call me because yeah. this is well, just not. And it just affects the rest of your day too. Mm-hmm. Like if you get into a little, a little fight when you're at home and you're going to work, Mm-hmm. And then you got to go the rest of your day, like festering, like, oh, I should say this. Right. And then you start typing it and then you send it. And then now you're in this little feud back and forth. Like and one, then, thing, yep. one, one thing, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. One thing I, I think I've tried doing just recently, because I used to, I used to get into like little arguments with my wife over text. Like, like, I don't want to argue with you, but I just want to say this right? type of thing, you know? And then it just, obviously it's like argumentative in a sense. So like now what I try to do is, um, I try to mention like I understand the way you're feeling and um, I'm sorry that you, you feel that way or whatever it is. And then I just I explain that, you know, I love you and I'm whatever. And then I, you know, I, I want to talk about this or let's talk about it later or something like that. But like I want her to know that I, I love her regardless. Right. That way she's not like all day like thinking about like. Like he's a freaking asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to. I want to say this. I want to say that. I want to say this because I just feel like if you leave things on a bad note, for one, you don't know what could happen, you know, to that person. But like, you don't want that person's day ruined either, right? You know. Yeah, it's definitely damaging. And then yeah. you pull the message back and you read it, reread it. Um, the person is not there to defend it, you know. So yeah. in 
my head or my husband's head, he's reading it like, yeah. Yeah. I, um, like I work at in a factory and so it's monotonous. It's the same thing over and over and over. You, you build, you put a couple parts on a car, then you go to the next car you put Mm -hmm. a couple parts on the car, you go to the next car. It's the same thing over and over it. So it's mindless. And so it's easy to get into, and she works there too. So it's easy to get into a cycle of like just festering on your emotions and the things that were said maybe the night before. And then you just start like, I've caught myself doing it. That's why I'm saying is like, I've caught myself like in the middle of a text and it's like a paragraph long or three paragraphs long or whatever. And then you realize that like, this is not beneficial. It's affecting my day. It's affecting my coworkers around me. They see that I'm upset. And then it's also affecting her because they know like her coworkers see that she's upset Mm -hmm. and then she's not having a good day. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I guess I see the way it affects me and I'm like, I don't want it to affect her that way too. So I try to like apologize for what I did wrong, mention what I did, but then also reassure her that I love you. Right. And it seems to work. Oh, well, good. <laughs> she's going to be like, not, she's going to listen to this podcast and she's going to be like, know. I see, I see what you're doing. We're not yeah. going to do this anymore. We're going to fight. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's something I really have to work on. And I do think about, I'm just stubborn, you know? Yeah. But yeah, everybody I think is. about that, you know, and he's absolutely right. Yeah. It's just unnecessary, you know, and especially when you, like you said, you're busy at work. He's a tattoo artist, you know, and like in his break when he maybe goes out, smoke a cigarette, imagine pulling out this whole paragraph and I'm like, yeah. you know, yeah. and then sets the tone for his day. And it is definitely something that um, I've been trying to work on. Yeah. And realize within myself, like, you know, you got to sometimes admit that your husband is right. Darn it. <laughs> you don't even have to admit somebody's right. I mean, you just have to essentially just humble yourself a little bit to just be like, I love you. <laughs> right. Or like, it is difficult. It is very difficult when you're in the middle of a fight to just be like, you know, I love you. Right. Just so you know, I love you. Because you have a point to prove and you yeah. just like fired up. But it, it changes the tone and yes. it changes the narrative because you know that, okay, now I, I guess it, and for me, it, maybe it has something to do with the fact that I've had, I've had abandonment issues. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I was taken away from my mom when I was a kid. It could be that. It could be the could fact be. that, you know, like uh, every time I get into a fight, maybe I'm worried that she's just going to leave me or something. Yeah. But like, if you say, I love you, now you have a new baseline. Okay. I love you. Now we're coming from here and we can work on our issues from there. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that like, even for somebody like you, you know, cause you, you said you work in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you care for patients. Yep. So would it be beneficial to them if you like right. were, you know, like fighting with your husband and on bad terms? Cause then now you're like your mental capacity is somewhere else. Exactly. You know? So I try to look, I guess, look at it in that aspect too. Yeah. And it's like I said, I'm stubborn. So it's hard <laughs> for me to admit when he is right. Yeah. You know, yeah. but he is. And yeah, it definitely sets the tone for the day. Yeah, okay. it really does. Especially if you start early in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> bickering, you yeah. know. Yeah, there's been a few times, like, with my wife and I, because we work the same shift. We we literally live the same life. Like, we we um, drive to work together. You know, we do everything together. So, it's like, if we're not on good terms, oof, is life rough? 
Um, <laughs> you know, you got to have that silent ride to work. And, you know, sometimes she wants to talk about it and I'm not ready to talk about right. it. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just one of those things like, you, you know, you got to have like, you got to like have your space and you got to like, you know, like allow yourself to kind of set the tone for yourself mm-hmm. for the day before you even handle those situations. Right. That's how I am. I, I can't. I can't talk about it first thing in the morning because it, it, it ruins my day. And that that's obviously no. by choice. I allow it to ruin my day, but it it's different for women. Trust me, we can <laughs> as soon as we open our eyes, like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to I war. I remember what you said <laughs> ten days ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. So you just celebrated anniversary, right? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Five year uh marriage of marriage, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, um, we were, I joked with her last night, um, I I think maybe my kids said something about, like, how long, like, are you guys going to be married or something, um, they're young, they don't know. Right. And she's like, forever. I was like, whoa, 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 let's not take (laughs) it too fast, let's let's take it in five-year increments, we'll (laughs) we'll go another five-year, then five years, and then reassess. (laughs) Yeah. Just joking, but, um, no, yeah, it's, it's been great, but our, our relationship's been pretty good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It, you definitely learn um, the longer you're in a relationship with someone. Um, you just learn like how to become a better person. Some people don't. Some people allow their relationships to get worse or they allow themselves to um, become, I guess, um, I don't know. They, they fight more or mm-hmm. they like allow themselves to uh uh, get upset easier and like it it's difficult like being married can be very difficult but if you have like the right kind of mindset and mm-hmm. you want to like always like progress then and you both want to progress then and that's the key that's you the know, key it has to be both you know yeah. it takes both people to have to be in a marriage but only want to to try yeah it's you know the end so yeah yeah both have to try yep yeah, and if you don't try, then that that is the end. That if is. one of them isn't trying, right? Yeah, and there's always ways. You know, there's help out there. There's marriage counseling, yeah. couples counseling. I don't agree with marriage counseling. You though. do not. I do not. Why? It's. I think it's set up for failure. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, I never heard anybody say that. Why do you uh, think so? Well, I've gone to marriage counseling before. Okay. And I don't think that. I don't think it's beneficial. My wife and I actually just talked about this recently because uh, I don't know why we talked about it, but I was, I just remember like when her and I went to marriage counseling, um, you know, they're asking you like what's going on Mm -hmm. and you tell them, you tell them your perspective and then they ask her what's her perspective. And then, then you guys fight the whole time. It's set up for, for failure. Like you're, if you go, if you both go in there with a mindset that you want to like work some issues mm-hmm. out, obviously it can work. However, most of the time when people go in there, they go in there not wanting to do it um, because there's generally some sort of issues going on. And one person might say like, this is what's going on. The other person might say, no, this is what's going on. And then you fight the whole time and then you got to go home with each other. <laughs> and then they tell you to come back next week and, and let them know how it went. And it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily see how it's beneficial. This is real quick before you say something. This is my perspective of um, making things better. It's like you got to figure out what's wrong with you 
before mm-hmm. you can try to figure out what's wrong with your relationship. Because once you realize that, you, that you're messing up in certain areas that, and you try to actively fix that, you will become a better person. And then that person will become a better person if they're also trying. And then that makes your marriage better. It does. That's, yeah. But with any counseling, you have to just go in there and be completely honest. And a lot of us are not willing to do that. You know, like, why should I admit I was guilty? And, you know, but all depends on the therapist. You know, some of them don't allow for arguments, you know. Yeah. Me and my husband went um, and had some marriage counseling and the therapist would not at all allowed to bicker like he would stop the therapy he was like this is one expensive fight if you want to continue <laughs> you know right but you know we you have to go in there with willing to kind of expose yourself but i like what you said you have to work on yourself first yeah you really do individually you know before you can fix you know and some uh, marriage counselor will point that out you know that you have to work on yourself and this is the areas right you know yeah. i'm big therapy um supporter yeah, <laughs> you know absolutely so yeah it all depends on the therapist too but i think i think therapy is really good i just don't think that um i, I don't think marriage counseling mm-hmm. is necessarily the best way to go when you have an issue with something like most of the time when there's an issue it's because one person's doing one thing and then the other person has a problem with it right. and it's affecting their relationship. And it, if you're a person who truly wants to fix the situation, you will seek the help and you will, you will try to fix yourself or seek the help to try to fix yourself. And that's one thing like I realized when um, uh, we went to marriage counseling is that it didn't work for us. The marriage mm-hmm. counseling didn't work for us because we would leave and then now we'd be in a bad mood for the rest of the week and we'd treat each other like crap for the rest of the week and it just wasn't beneficial whatsoever. Um, if anything, it made things worse. Hmm. And so, and you know, it could have something to do with the fact that like I wasn't willing to try to uh, be open-minded about it. Or, I don't know what it was, but it could be, you know, it could have been me. Um, but when I when I went to therapy on my own afterwards and talked about some of the things I had gone through in life and worked out my own issues, it made me a better person. Mm -hmm. And then it made my relationship better. And it made me have a, I guess a greater appreciation for our relationship. Mm -hmm. And like, it just was way more beneficial than, than the marriage counseling. And sometimes it's hard to even admit some things in front of your spouse, you know? Yeah. Um, compared to going alone yeah you know because it's it could be intimidating like okay i'm going to bear my feelings out here and they're gonna see my weakness weaknesses and you know so i can see um i really liked it that you said that you worked on yourself and yeah i think that's great yeah i think it's very important and again that goes back to the self-analysis like Mm -hmm. you have to realize that like i don't like the person i am Mm -hmm. and i need to actively try to figure out why I'm this way and then try to change it because you're not just going to change. No. You know, you can't just change like that. Like you need somebody to help kind of guide you, put things into perspective and then give you the tools that you, you need to become a better person or to strive harder at things or figure out what your, your life goals are, you know, whatever. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. It's not that easy. You know? No. We all wish it, but really it does take a lot of time to actually, yeah the idea yeah that's one thing that um 
I don't know, like, like in today's day and age, you see so many, like the divorce rates extremely high and it makes you wonder, like, do those people do that? Do they, are they self analyzing? Are they mm-hmm. realizing that, okay, the problem in the relationship's me, or this is the part of the relationship that that person doesn't like. I'm doing this that that person doesn't like. And then it, it eventually just causes us to get a divorce. Are they just taking the easy way out or are they like, actively trying to because at some point they they loved that person right mm-hmm. like at some point they cared about that person enough to want to marry them right more than likely and it's like when things got hard did you did you try or did you right. did you just give up right and i feel like a lot of people do take an easy way out because it's it's easier now than it was ever you know yeah and people used to really fight to stay married and now i'm not saying to stay in abusive relationship right, like right. people i you know no, some that's people different. do but i feel like we just easily give up too yeah you know yeah and well i mean the grass always looks greener on the other side like you you think oh well if i just divorce this person i mm-hmm. can i can find somebody different who's better right you know but that person may have a, a whole different set of problems and or you might be bringing a whole different set of problems to the next relationship right. Exactly. If you didn't fix yourself in your first one, the one right. or whatever, then you're just kind of transferring everything to the next one and you're going to continue with issues. And yeah. Unless you change yourself. Yeah. 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 Again, it goes back to self-analysis and being yeah. self-aware and and just actively trying to become a better person. You know, life shouldn't be so complicated. <laughs> just make it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate because, like, I do know people that are really good people, but it's almost like they're, um, they're a, like, it's almost like they're a victim of themselves. Like they, they put themselves in situations that purposely like affect their lives in negative ways. It's like I know you're a good person. Why would you do that? Yeah. And it's like people are just like people just do things. I don't know. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It becomes harder and harder to see yourself and admit your faults. And I don't know why, you know, I'm guilty of that. And I see that a lot. We just, you know, it takes a lot of courage to say you're wrong and say you're sorry. And I don't know. I guess we all need help. (laughs) We all need (laughs) Dr. Phil. (laughs) I actually just watched one of the Dr. Phil's episode where he said, um, if you're leaving a marriage... And you look back and you tell yourself you have tried everything and your heart feels at ease, then you're ready. Wow. And that kind of makes sense because sometimes we just walk away or we just, you know, without really putting any work in it. Yeah. And then there's a grieving process and we're sad and, you know, but if you really worked on everything that you could and you feel like, okay, I gave it all and you're at ease, then you're ready. Yeah. But how many people do feel their way before they walk away? You know? That's, yeah, that brings me back to like how many people try because like, um, obviously like bad relationships, you know, can occur over like uh, years and you get into this pattern. But if that other person sees, you know, like let's say they're not trying and you're not trying, mm-hmm. but then you like actively make a choice that I, I'm going to make, I want to be a, a better partner. I want to be, have a better relationship that person's more than likely going to notice that. And if they don't, then I guess you tried, you've right. tried everything. Like if you've tried yeah. to become a better person and they're just like still like 
yeah. standoffish. But generally, when when you see, like, if I see my wife trying to be a better person and want she wants to do something nice for somebody, I'm like, yeah, like that makes me feel good. Like, I'm on board, right. you know, and I want to actively be better too. And it's, yeah, I don't know. So it's like, did you try? Do you feel like marriages have become disposable? Absolutely. In relationships? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I think so too. You know, like I said, I feel like people used to fight uh, harder, you know, and yeah. forgive more than we do now. Yeah. Well, especially here in the United States. I don't know how bad it is in other countries, um, but it seems like it's it, obviously it's socially acceptable to just get a divorce. Right. You know, like it it's so easy to i mean within six months you can be single again um but even in like just dating relationships Mm -hmm. you know like i had a friend who um was kind of talking to some a girl and there were some things that he didn't like about her and uh they were just like minute things like things that didn't even really matter like to me i'm like like she had a dog or something he doesn't like dogs didn't matter yeah um and then uh I don't remember. There were some other things too. Oh, like she had a, she didn't have a car. She just rented a car and like, she just drove this rented car every week or whatever. And I'm like, that's, that's a deal breaker for you. Like for me, that's like, I look at that as like a way to possibly like, if I get into a relationship with her to try to like, maybe help her like to try to talk her into maybe buying a car instead or instead of wasting money on a car that's not hers or it's not a deal breaker, but it's like, it's so easy to just be like, I don't like this about that person and then yeah. try to find something else. Yeah, and it is. And hence the social media, you know, yeah. you can just look and yeah. I mean, you don't even have to leave the room to cheat anymore. <laughs> no. You know, leave the house. Yeah. Because I do believe the mental cheating is same as physical, you know. Yeah. I even think it's worse when you like... Um, telling somebody something so intimate about your life and sharing who is not your spouse, I feel like that's that hurts worse, you know, because that should be our conversation. That should be what I know about you, you know about me. Right. And then it's so easy for people now when you're mad at your partner to hop on a Facebook and I'm sure there's some exes and some people that, <laughs> you know, wanted yeah. to talk to you and just kind of you find yourself pouring your emotions out and becoming emotionally um, vulnerable to that person and attaching yourself to the person and that hurts. You know, I, there's a lot of situation that I hear a lot of people say, Oh, I open up her or his phone and you know, they're hurt when they read the messages. Do you think that's that, that I'm glad you mentioned that. Do you think that's a good thing? To go searching through somebody's phone. You know what? It's never a good thing to do that. (laughs) Um, But if you don't, you know, it is not. But there's, if you, if the person did something wrong and if the other person makes more secure to look through the phone for a while, I don't know, I guess I would do it, you know, like here, there's nothing to hide. Right. But at the same time, you know, People can look at it like, so you don't trust me? Like, this is something private. This is something, you know, Uh, and you want to go, I don't know. I don't think it's ever a good idea because you're always going to find something you don't like. I mean, we can get upset over 
you know, significant other liking a picture of somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. next thing you know, you're arguing like, why are you liking her picture? <laughs> you know, uh, who right. is she? And yeah. so I don't think it's good, but, you know, I I never have a problem, of course. My husband never asked for that. He would never, you know, I would snoop through his phone in a second, <laughs> you know. And That's there's nothing I, to find, but, you know. Um, but... Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea because I don't think it's healthy. Mm -hmm. Going back to the whole healthy and technology thing, like like you said, you will always find something that you don't like. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not healthy to want to actively search through somebody's phone Mm -hmm. because if you're searching through somebody's phone, you're looking for something. And like, if you're looking for something, you're going to find something. something. Exactly. And like you said, it could be something as simple as liking a picture or. Who knows? Or Who somebody knows? said hello, even though he didn't respond. It could yeah. you find why something. Why is she messaging you? Yeah. You know, or why did he message you? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Whatever it is. It's so easy. I I used to do that. I used to sneak through my wife's phone when we first got together. And, like, it was not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not It's not good. In fact, um, that was one thing she she would complain about is because, like, I would – she'd feel fine with me going through her phone, but then, like, I had a lock on my phone. She didn't know the password. Not that I was hiding it, but just, like, I had a lock on my phone. Now, like, I don't have any locks on my phone. Uh-huh. I just – you can just swipe it up. Somebody steals my phone, I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, like, they got everything. But I don't think that – I don't think, like, if you're in a relationship, it should be, like, this personal thing necessarily, like – that's my personal property. It's private stuff. Uh, you have to make your significant other feel so secure that they don't feel like they yeah. need to grab the phone. You know, I guess we all go through insecurities. Um, I went through insecurities a lot, especially my husband being a tattoo artist. And, you know, he's working mostly with female clients. And yeah. there's a jealousy, of course. And um, right. I would want to look through his phone. and sn- But after... A while not finding anything and after him actually showing me that he wouldn't you know do anything and there was you know i stopped i don't even feel the need to yeah. you know touch his phone or anything like that it doesn't and how does that make you feel as like a as like his significant other who's like can i go through your phone can i look at your phone can i look right. you know like that can't feel good. It doesn't. You know, like wanting to search through somebody's phone. Like if I wanted to look through my wife's phone, I would. I don't think I would feel good about that. Right. It doesn't. You know? It makes you, you know, exactly. You're just putting yourself down type like. Yeah. Then they accuse you of being insecure and now you're defensive and it's yeah. just. And yeah. you, you kind of give them a reason to hide, to yeah. hide things. Um, Yeah, I just. I don't think it's a good thing, even because uh, I guess I'm under the philosophy if, if somebody's going to do something, they're going to do it regardless. Yep. And you looking through their phone is not going to change anything. You know, it might help you in that moment to feel better. But mm-hmm. um, also, it's also beneficial to have conversations to like if you see somebody looking at something like, hey, what are you looking at? Mm-hmm. Who is that? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But to I guess like even if like, you're sneaking through somebody's phone, I don't think that's. I don't think that's healthy. Right. I just don't think there's a female on earth who hasn't done it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you just want to see. But like I said, yeah, I went through that phase because I was just like, he just has so many clients, you know, and and all of that. And like I said, it took him just kind of proving to me like I'm not doing anything wrong. So, and then you reach that 
you know, stage, like I don't even care anymore, you know, yeah. like not, you know, I'm like so secure and right. you made me feel so comfortable that right. I don't even think about going through your phone right. anymore. So and that's important. I think that's so our job is a um, significant other to, if the person is insecure to make them secure, make them feel secure. Yeah. But yeah. some people don't, you know, like you yeah. have those people, they're just regardless what you do, they're always insecure. But yeah. a lot of a lot of solutions would be, you know, be naturally become defensive. So you wanna look through my phone and now I'm I'm I'm, you know, defensive, I'm hurt, like why? How dare you think I'm doing something? And now he's yeah. think you know, person is thinking, Oh, she's hiding or he's hiding something and it's just escalate, you know. Right. So. Yeah, and it just creates trust problems, mm-hmm. you know, and then trust problems. Like, if you can't trust me, then right. why, are, why are we doing this? Or, right. you know, like, if I can't trust you, then what's the point? Or if we can't trust each other, then we're just going to do whatever we want anyways. Uh, if you're not doing anything, just let the person look <coughs> through, and after a while, you know, they're going to stop. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, know. yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, if you're not doing anything, really, like, what are you looking at? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people also that share a husband and wife have the same Facebook. Mm. That's kind of funny to me. I think that's uh, I don't think that's a good move. No. No. It's, you know, my people and his people are not the same. And then you have all this, you know, why is just, I never understood that. And I see that a lot. There's like a couple they have a Facebook together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember when I was younger, I had a, a Facebook with my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it was the dumbest thing ever. I was young and dumb, but yeah, I don't think it's a good move, you know, because like you need to have, I'm mean, like we mentioned the whole privacy thing with your phone, right. like, but that is a sense of privacy. Um, you know, when you have like uh, your profile, for instance, you go to your profile and you see like somebody's accomplishments, like where did you go to school? Mm-hmm. Like how old you are, whatever it is. Like it's, it's almost who you are as a person yeah. on, in a, in the social realm. And so like when you have the two people, it's kind of weird. It's, yeah. it's a weird dynamic. You don't, and like if you have a friend who wants to get a hold of you, they don't know who they're messaging. Yeah. You know? And makes you think like what, what happened? Yeah. You know? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Like you look at a couple, like something must have happened. For he must you. have cheated on her. Yeah, <laughs> that's just the mentality of people. We immediately assume something. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy must have commitment problems. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a Facebook together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think it's good. Like, if you have to force something uh, publicly in order to trust somebody, then it's more than likely not going to work out. You know. Yep. Like if you have to tell your significant other, you can't have your own Facebook because I can't trust you and we need to have a, a social media together, then if you yeah. can't trust them in that aspect, then is it really going to work out? Right. You know? Right. Because there has to be like some sort of baseline trust. I agree. You can't force it. I agree. Yeah. I'm not there yet, luckily. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could ever share a Facebook. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's like part of your world. Like, you know, your privacy. Sometimes you want to gossip with your best friend. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes your girlfriend might reach out to you and, Mm -hmm. and 
confide in you and you know it's not necessarily something for your husband to see you know like I wouldn't want to see my wife's uh, messages between her and her friends like doesn't matter um yeah I agree um is there anything else you want to mention we've been going for almost two hours this was a great conversation yeah no I just enjoy you know I always wanted to do a podcast and uh, me and my husband watch um, on Hulu. It's called Only Murders in a Building. Have you seen that? I have not. Oh, my God. It's so cool. So it's about a podcast and murders in a building. Uh, Selena Gomez is in it. It's really good. Oh. And you should check it out. I think you and your wife would enjoy it. And I was like, hmm, you know, I want to do. I would actually do this except when I realized how much work it takes it's not just like get on it it's like a full-time job it really is you know so yeah yeah, Yeah, it's awesome it's one of those things that you can you could do it if you wanted um and you can do it as much as you wanted or as little as you wanted but like if you truly want because there's the podcasting space is very difficult to try to navigate like if you want to like take it to the next level. It's like you almost have to constantly be, it's mm-hmm. like posting on social media. Like if you want to become like TikTok famous or like Instagram famous or whatever it is, like you always have to be kind of posting and in the algorithms and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of those things like you just constantly got to be doing it and posting something or whatever. So like that aspect can be a full-time job. All right. But like, if you just want to do it for fun, like you can, you can do it. You can do it from your phone. Right. Anytime you want it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I thought about it, but thank you for having me. This was so yeah. much fun. I um I thought about even for the podcast doing like um like some sort of special episode like every now and then of like maybe just a special guest or something. Um and making it just uh like a private podcast mm-hmm. for some for for just like the listeners like and you cuz there's a there's this thing called um uh crap what's it called it's um patreon so like if if people pay for your podcast they they help they like essentially subscribe Mm -hmm. then they get like a special episode or something they get like content in in exchange for it Mm -hmm. like special content so i thought about doing like guests like a special guest type podcast i don't know how i would do that but if you would be interested in something like that um and you wouldn't mind coming here and doing a like a special yeah. episode every now and then um that would be fun like i i thoroughly enjoyed this conversation like we talked about some <laughs> we just talked about normal things like the whole like going through your phone thing right like that's just... that's something that so many people do and i think that you know it's it's so common but it's not necessarily something that's talked about very right. often so like talking about things like that mm-hmm. like like that was fun that was like right it was it, it it just makes you relate to people more. Like, okay, I'm not the only one psycho right. out there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was going through my, you know, husband's phone. Just kidding. But um, <laughs> I love to talk. So yeah, definitely. If okay. you ever want to have somebody come, I'm I'm here. Okay. I can talk. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for doing yeah. this. This was a lot of fun, it and was, um, for sure. you will for sure be back. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah.